Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Physio Minds. I'm your host, Alex, and we have two special guests today. Our special guests are pediatric therapists, and they are students at a clinic right now. We have Jazzy J, aka Jasmine, and then we have Courtney. <laughs> and so today, what we're going to do is we're going to ask them a few questions and get us into the minds of students that are in a pediatric setting. So Jasmine, if you want to go first, tell us a little bit about yourself and what year you are in school what specialty you might want to go into and how you got into physical therapy. Okay, so I'm Jasmine and I am in my seventh term right now. Um, so one more term left of physical therapy school. And uh, the specialty I want to go into is pediatric. Um, I decided, well, what got me into physical therapy is um, when I was in college, I actually got a job opportunity to work as a tech for all therapies, so speech, OT, and PT. And it was at a hospital, so I was doing a little bit of everything. And just being in that setting, you get to see literally everything. <laughs> so it kind of opened my eyes to just what their physical therapists do. And then I kind of went when I applied to PT school. So um, at first I did want to go into sports, which I think is what most physical therapy students think going into PT school, but right. after taking classes and, you know, meeting some of the teachers and really getting to bond with them, I kind of, you know, went the neuro direction, which eventually led me to PE. So. Nice. Nice. Courtney, we're going to ask the same questions. We'll got All you. PT. <laughs> so um, I went to a magnet program in high school. That was the medical program. And, um, basically 10th grade came around and they were like here is a list of medical professions pick one and that's the one you're going to stick with so I looked at PT and I thought it was a cool profession because you know exercise science you're healing people without you know medications and stuff like that and that was kind of my whole understanding at that point what PT was I didn't really know a whole lot about it mm -hmm. um and then uh I had gotten injured I was cheerleader for pretty much my whole life and I got injured and I went to BT and as I was there I'm like they get to watch ESPN and tell me how to do exercises and then just hang out and talk to me like I would exercise like this is the greatest job ever like who would not want to do this all day right. so like Jasmine said I went into PT and I was like oh yeah I'm gonna do sports I want to do sports and as soon as I got into PT every time I did shadowing stuff I realized I love working Parkinson's patients were like really interesting to me. Stroke mm. patients were really interesting to me. I figured neuro was definitely the route I wanted to do, but I also loved working with kids. Um, so I figured why not just do the best of both worlds and do pediatric PT. So yeah. that's, that's awesome. why I ended up with pediatric PT as my route of choice. That's awesome. Yeah. And both of you are in a pediatric setting and, um, from what I know, one of you are in more of a sports section and the other one is more neuro. Is that correct? Yes. So, yeah, I, so you'll go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> okay. So it's like split. Um, you have ortho like patients and then you have like PTs that who more focus on neuro. Some do both. It's really your preference once you're in that setting, like which one you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, my clinical instructor instructor 
be both neurofocused. Um, one of them does take ortho here and there, but it's more specific like dancers or like specific to a certain sport. Um, but other than that, I mostly see neuro patients, so little babies and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Okay. So for the babies that you see, what age group are they in? Like what's, what's the age range for a pediatric neuro patient? Um, honestly, it's pretty wide. The youngest that had so far was three weeks old. Um, referral from a pediatrician, um, which isn't necessarily super common, but usually around like the four or five month is like when most of the babies get referred. And then, um, the oldest patient I saw, I think was 19, which was a, an ortho patient. Okay. And sorry for all the questions, but what about like the range of pathology that you see? So like you can see from MS to possibly a traumatic brain injury or stroke. Yeah. So in outpatient, it's a little more like the kids are functional, even though they may have a lot going on. So um, there's a lot. I have a lot of patients with like musculoskeletal disorders, like torticollis, um, stuff like that, or just like simple ACL injuries, things like there's also on the neuro side, see down syndrome is a really big one. Um, what else? Um, CP is a really big one that I've seen a lot. I have, um, a patient with arthritis arthrogryposis. Um, so there's, and there's a few with like gen genetic disorders that haven't even been discovered yet. Um, so it's very interesting to see like how they come in from the pediatrician. Some of the pediatricians just refer them to physical therapy and say they have delayed milestones. And it's like, they might have genetic disorder, they might have CP and like, they don't even know until they're like in physical therapy, which is actually very interesting. Wow. So you're kind of helping them diagnose what what they have wow that's yeah. really interesting <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah we've had a lot of different uh probably just a, everything that I think we learned in peds which is kind of crazy uh some of my biggest cases that we've had was like a c1 c2 um spinal fracture um that was kind of like one of our crazy cases just to see him like he was like a miraculous recovery type of deal just because I think it was more of like a shock factor is why he was not performing so early on, but he was basically went from not walking to like, now he's running around the gym. Holy moly. And then, yeah. So that was like really cool to see. And then um, another one that we've had was like a hypoxic brain injury. Um, he was a near drowning case. And on the record, it says like, you know, it was like 25 minutes or something before they found him. Holy. So it's like stuff like that, that we, we get those patients. And then you also have to look at, you know, these are the type of patients that, you know, they may never function on their own. So then you kind of have to look at more of the educational, you know, what can I do for these families to help them continue through life and like not need PT every day forever. Cause it's not realistic. It's not functional. Um, but we see a lot, like um, there's a deletion one. We have like three of those and I had never heard of that diagnosis before. Yeah. What is, um, what is that pathology? Uh, it's hard to describe um, because they look normal and they act normal, but it's like almost just the way to describe it is like just delayed everything, delayed in every field of rehab, like speech, OT, PT. Um, they probably do the best in PT because I feel like gross um, motor milestones are easier to achieve, mm -hmm. but like a lot of them go to feeding therapy and 
um, speech and OT and all those are like their sensory processing and and just how to communicate and stuff is just not um, it's more difficult for them I would say mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see the different diagnosis that like I would have never have seen outside of pediatrics I guess um and then with sports ortho uh we see a lot of spinal fusions um I've seen uh, a lot of low back pain which I was very surprised being in a pediatric population and um we've had some fun ones like we had a meniscal repair one uh we had one ACL patient so we've had some other fun stuff like we had a motorbike cross racer and he had like a slap tear that we had been rehabbing and I caught him at the end of rehab so like I get to do all the really fun stuff with him so yeah, it's been a good time. Um, so yeah, I think like how Jazzy does more of the neuro. I think I really enjoy doing the sports and the neuro because I kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely think that's I end up being the PT that wants to treat both. That's awesome. I I think it's really interesting to see that you know you can treat literally babies like Jasmine was here with a three-year-old and even younger they have them in like the ICU or the NICU and then you can go all the way up to 19 because pediatrics has a wide range depending on what it is so I guess the range would be from when you're born all the way up to around 21 I think 21 because the oldest I've had is 20. Okay Um, that's that's usually with someone who's had um so it could honestly it probably could be somebody like my younger brother or something if he injured his knee or something he went to you guys he's still considered pediatric even though he's over the age of 18 right mm-hmm. so yeah what- the surgeon has done a lot of them um, sorry I didn't trust you but the surgeons um if the ones from the hospital mm-hmm. if they do the surgery then they recommend to a, a PT within the facility and that's usually how they end up at uh, one of the outpatient centers yeah that that makes a lot of sense that they do that you kind of keep it within mm-hmm. um what have you guys seen different with the treatments that you have with younger patients so under the age of 15 or 18 what have you seen that's different when you're treating them versus maybe your other clinicals that you've had um i would say just like <laughs> the ability just was like you're not dealing with adults so when you when you're treating an adult in like outpatient ortho or something like that you can tell an adult like go do 10 clamshells you can walk away from them and then go chart or like go deal with another patient but a kid like you're gonna have to be like there running around then you might tell them to do like play a game like pick up these fish and they're gonna be like no i don't want to play with fish today (laughs) so kind of just like figuring out like they don't want to do that so how do i like think on my feet to change the game to something they want to play and like I have some kids that they come in the gym they want to do the same thing every single time so like they they see the fish they want to play with the fish every single time there's some kids that just like I'm not interested in that I'm not interested in that so like you're trying to like you know get them interested in the toy get them motivated to do stuff because they don't understand like they understand I'm in pain or like but they may not understand should be crawling or I should be doing this like they don't understand why you're doing it and you can't really like explain it to them so like sh- like trying to get them to actually be motivated to do the activities you really have to find a way to like make it fun and be creative so how do you set this I'm just going just asking how do you set those goals for those kids because like 
if they want to do like the same thing over and over again? Is it like, oh, pick up 10 fish today and then tomorrow we're going to pick up 15 fish or something? So pediatric goals are completely different from normal outpatient goals, which is what I have completely had to change my mindset. Um, and I almost like it better to me writing goals for pediatrics is easier because you have to make it functional. Like you have to write a type of goal that says this kid is going to be able to squat down and keep midline position with trunk and neck while doing, you know, 10 squat downs to pick up an object without raising its heels up because he's a toe walker. And it's like stuff like that, that you have to think about, um, gross motor wise. If you have a kid that's six months old and he's being treated for six months as like your time frame, what are those gross motor milestones going to be in six months? So you have to think along the lines of, okay, how many steps is this kid going to be able to take by the age of one? How steady is he going to be on his feet? How can he cruise laterally? You know, what gross milestone should he be at, at that point? And then you have to take those goals and you turn those goals into therapy. So if I want a kid to be able to squat without raising its heels, I have to pick an activity that forces those, you know, dorsiflexors to kick on or that's going to stretch out those plantar flexors. And I have to make a game out of it. So in that aspect, I feel like pediatrics is much more difficult because you have to turn your exercises into a game, even though you're creating goals they're not based off of games you're you're creating goals based off of like where they should be gross motor wise yeah that sounds a lot more tough than i that i'm doing like my goals are just hey my guy can do 10 sessions <laughs> so he can properly get off on and off the toilet throughout the day yeah <laughs> so it's nothing too crazy but yeah Me i mean too. those are those are goals that you have to think about especially for your pediatric population and moving mm -hmm. forward i mean it, it'll carry over into his adulthood because now he knows hey I can squat down in a midline position with no um with decreased weight bearing on my toes and more through my heels hip hinge and like decreased anterior um translation of the femur on the tibia knowing that he's going to be able to squat down multiple times pick up objects throughout his day or throughout his life so that that is yeah. really important it's basically just uh having them start with these basic components of movement that are the proper way so instead of learning improper movements and trying to break those habits it's like you're trying to form these connections before it gets too far right. so it's like how am I going to enforce you know a movement that they've never seen before versus having an adult say yeah you may have never squatted before you may have never exercised but for a kid they don't even know what a squat is right so it's it's definitely more challenging in that aspect I think yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I praise you guys. <laughs> you guys do a good job of it. <laughs> um, You're making me blush. <laughs> uh, so how would you guys, how, like, what are some key points to remember when you're in a pediatric setting? So I guess, what have you found helps the most and what helps the least? So I know we went, we had a pediatric class and you can only put so much in that pediatric class. So what do you guys have any tips and tricks that you guys can give some students or other therapists that might be going into it? Know your gross motor milestones. <laughs> know them, live them, breathe them. When you have kids, you'll be thankful that you know them. Mm -hmm. uh, I still have a hard time with them. And this is what week, I think we're in week 10 or 11. I don't even know now, but um, 
yeah like that's probably the biggest thing is knowing those gross milestones and not just you know for the first 12 years uh 12 months of life like you know know those gross milestones like as they go through like you know zero to six twelve whatever you know all the way through adolescence it's so important um and that's really what's going to help you decipher what's atypical and what's um normal with mm-hmm. the population that you're seeing in front of you yeah. yeah I definitely agree with that Courtney it's so <laughs> important because I like for example I have a three-year-old I think yeah she turns three in a couple months but she's three years old functioning at like eight months right now don't know your gross milestones like you'd be like is she supposed to be doing this especially if you don't have kids or you're not around kids like you really need to know and have that solid like what should they be doing or like maybe she is functioning at eight months what can we get to at 10 months like two months from now like where can we go from here um I also think that um you know, when you're (laughs) with these kids, it's very important to one, have patience. (laughs) Um, But parents are very involved um, in most of these children's lives and they want them to do, like they want them to get better and they wanna be involved. So like including the parents in like, hey, like um, have this kid stand on a pillow for, you know, two minutes a day just to work on balance or something like that. Like simple, like home exercises to the point where it's break it, broken down so that they can understand it is very important. Like these kids, they don't necessarily understand what you're saying. Like you can tell a two-year-old to like do this or you can even imitate like, hey, copy me. And they won't like, you have to know like, okay, maybe a two-year-old can't imitate me. So like, what's another way that I can try and describe this to them? It's very important to like, think on your feet and like be creative about these things. Um, Like I said, if you don't have kids or you haven't been around kids, I highly, highly suggest YouTube videos or like trying to find some experience where you do get to be around kids. So you can kind of see like what typical kids look like and what they're learning and stuff like that I think one thing that our pediatric class did not really teach us is like what kids learn in each grade (laughs) I think we're a little far removed from like grade school but like my kids will come in I'll be like what did you learn in school today and they'll be like I learned the alphabet and you're playing an alphabet game and they don't know the letters (laughs) or they don't know how to write okay well gotta come up with something different or like knowing whether they know colors or even saying like simple stuff like move your right foot they don't know the difference between right and left yet so like knowing those things is also super important um like I said watching YouTube videos can help with that um also something that I didn't do but I feel like would have helped me is um (laughs) kind of getting updated on like the newer version of like TV shows and things like that. Um, because- DJ Mass, my new favorite show ever. <laughs> I like bubble guppies, had no idea what that was. Did Have you heard of Coco Melon? Coco Melon, Doc McStuffins, did not even know that was a TV show. <laughs> and oh, I mean, SpongeBob. <laughs> right, yeah, SpongeBob. that's not a thing. You know, but all these <laughs> TV shows had no idea. And these kids are like, don't you know who Dr. Stephens is? And I'm like, no idea. I'm like, here pretending, like I know. (laughs) But just keep it fun and exciting, you know, so. Yeah, just going even off of what you're saying about being fun, like don't be afraid to be as creative as possible because I think at first I was trying to keep the exercises simple and, you know, doing them 
fun, but like I was not so much stepping out of my comfort zone. And then, you know, just last week we had a patient that I had not worked with before, but she was seven and they had put her in the ortho gym because she had neck pain. So the ortho PT was treating her like a neck pain patient. And I'm like, okay, let's go into the gym and see, like, maybe she'll enjoy therapy more if like we make it into a game for her because she's, you know, younger. And I think that was the first time I ever heard her giggle and smile and laugh. And we were doing frog jumps and like caterpillar crawls and, you know, doing stuff that's all working on trunk and core strength and glute strength. And she's squatting and jumping and running around and playing red light, green light. And it was like, she's like, you could tell mom was getting ready to be like, okay, I think we're done with therapy. And then in that moment, she was like, no, no, we're going to continue for a few more weeks. And I was like, you really have to be able to get the kids like wanting to be there because if not, it's not going to work. Right. So how do you, so that's a big thing. How do you deal with parents? Have you had any parent? I've been very fortunate. I don't know if Jazzy has had the same experience, (laughs) but my parents have been phenomenal. Um, Because they got their own stuff going on too. They're very realistic. I have had very few parents come in there and be like, okay, why isn't my kid walking? And they're like six months old. And you're like, okay, because they're six months old. But um, a lot of our parents are like very realistic, even with like very severe diagnosis. um, They kind of know what they're getting. The only thing is I think their education is lacking and I don't necessarily blame that on them. I feel like whoever's giving these diagnoses out and their pediatricians and like their other doctors are not educating to the point where I'm like, why, you know, why is the first time you're hearing about scoliosis from me when, you know, you have a curve, you've had an x-ray for it and you don't know anything about bracing. You don't know about what degree they start doing surgeries at. You don't know about how long you have to wait before they can say that, you know, your your curve's not going to get worse because you've passed that growth period. Like, exactly. why is nobody telling them about this stuff? So um, besides that, and that's not their fault, but um, I don't know if Jazzy's had the same experience at her location but um I've had like majority of the parents are good we have like a lot of they call them lifers which means like there's kids who have literally been there since the place opened like eight years these parents have been coming every single week over and over again so like a lot of the parents who have kids who are a little more involved they want to do everything in their power to help their child and especially the ones who also have like I find that first-time parents have like a bunch of kids are the ones that tend to be more involved. Um, it is hard and like they they do get stressed. I have a parent who literally comes to our sessions and sleeps the entire time. And then <laughs> at the end or of the session- We've had some or, criers. Yeah, some criers here and there. Like they really are like stressed. And you know, I it's a lot to have to deal with this and like be see your child maybe struggling or like crying during the therapy session and have to sit back and them or like listen to them cry and not be able to like pick them up and stuff like that so like I think all the parents if you educate them properly on like how serious the situation is and like what the things they can do to help their child either at home or you know elsewhere a lot of the parents are willing to at least at the bare minimum bring them twice a week to therapy on time or just do something simple like I said before standing on a pillow for 10 seconds while they watch tv like right or simple like that but a lot of the parents are really like really dedicated and dedicated like they want their kids to get better yeah Definitely. that's good though 
that's really good that mm-hmm. you know, parents out there want their kid to get better and I think majority would but it's definitely difficult to see them go through therapy especially if they have um, issues going on with everything else so I have Mm -hmm. one more question um, just to wrap it up if any of you guys know if they want if anybody that's listening right now to physio minds how would they get into contact with uh, either you guys or if there's something that they can look up so if they want to know more about a peds clinic or or anything like that where where should they go or who should they talk to um i felt like this was something i was looking for since the day i got into pd school because i knew i wanted to do peds and no one really seemed to have an answer for what to expect what to do they all kind of said you know you'll know when you get to peds and really that's how it is you get into peds and you're like shoot i know freaking nothing so um my biggest advice if you want to learn more go shadow a pediatric physical therapist and do it for a few weeks don't just do it for one or two sessions because you won't fully grasp what's going on um especially if you're in pt school and you've taken your pediatric class already definitely shadowing is is where you're going to get like that connection made in your head of what's really going on and um Another thing too is residencies. I know it's a difficult thing to think about because you know you just went through three years of PT school. Who wants to you know go through another year of residency? Mm-hmm. But um, there's a site on the APTA website um, that you can look for all the residencies for pediatrics, orthopedics, you know anything, but mostly pediatrics that I'm focusing on. Um, and it shows you all the list of the programs, what they require and what they really focus on throughout their programs. And if it's something that you're interested in, you really want to expand your knowledge from PT school. Like that's a great option in my opinion. Um, so that's really all I got. No, that's, that's perfect. I definitely agree with Courtney. Um, also, if you can find either a professor or like me and Courtney have get the opportunity to have a pediatric clinical and you're even if you're on the fence and you're not, I would say if you do get get the chance to have a pediatric clinical, take it like don't hesitate, take it because in fact, push for one is what yeah. I'm telling you, because <laughs> it will make or break your career outside yeah. of PT school, and even in my opinion. Sure, it's easier to like go and do the clinical and be like, okay, kids is not for me. This is not what I want to do rather than not having one at all and wishing you would have pushed harder. Um, I think it, it's, it kind of changes your mind to like, do you really want to do you? So I think that, um, if you can get into that, um, super helpful. Like I said before, YouTube videos helpful. There's a website called, um, pathways.com, which I has- followed their Instagram account, Instagram, Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> they literally, if you need to find the pediatric diagnosis or you're not sure what something looks like, they have pictures, videos, home exercise. Instagram is a huge resource. Everything. Definitely. Yes. Do your research. Cause it, 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 it is a specialty, but it's not super hidden. Like you do have to do your research, but it's the information is out there. So you kind of just have to look around. Um, if you know any pediatric therapists, definitely talk to them. Like Courtney said, see if you can shadow, at least get some experience, you know, spend time around kids, volunteer at a school, something, you know, just to get used to seeing if you really can work with kids. Cause I think that's the first step and then go into like the pediatrics PT definitely because they told us you know oh yeah you could probably get a job with pediatrics right out of school even if you don't have an internship and to think how I felt on my first week of this 
clinical rotation. Uh, if I felt that way on my first week of working with peds, I think I would have been like, uh, I don't know if I could do this. Yeah. So definitely try and get some experience before you get to that point because you'll feel a lot better about going into it, I think. For sure, for sure. All right, ladies, our time is coming up soon. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and thank you for giving us such good advice for our pediatric patients. You guys do a great job. So thank you, round of applause. <laughs> um, anyone that's listening right now, please like and subscribe our video. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're everywhere. We're on Anchor, we're on Spotify. Come over here, come listen to us. Come like our videos, comment if you have any questions or if you guys want to know about anything, give the shout out that you want to give. And thank you for listening and tune in next time to Physio Minds. Thank you. <laughs>